Good morning, everyone. Kate, apologies for the confusion. The, uh, it's caused by, oh, if you're back in Hosea, we're going to look through uh, that chapter. So if you want to go back to page 1298 in Hosea, you'll see the confusions caused by the people who put the chapters in the Bible not quite getting it right. And so the section starts the, the verse before in the previous chapter. Uh, for our guests, my name's Anton, and I'm on the ministry team here. And over recent weeks, uh, we've been doing something called Offer to Pray, where as a church, we have been looking for opportunities to offer to pray for other people and to, to pray with them then and there. And I've been so encouraged to hear and to hear stories of uh, many of us doing this and praying for colleagues at work or sick relatives or praying uh, for and with our children. It's been so encouraging to hear all those stories because, uh, and also to see after church actually, people uh, gathering around uh, with one another and praying for each other. It means that we are growing as a thriving church family because what is happening is our internal beliefs about God are showing themselves in external ways. What we believe inside is coming out and is on display because what's on the inside will eventually be on display. We, you know, we believe, we just declared that we believe that God is our loving Father and that by His Holy Spirit, He's willing and able to work in our lives. And that belief is on display when we offer to pray for others. Our internal beliefs about God are so significant that they should burst out and be on display uh, to others. But of course, this holds true no matter what's on the inside. So it means that if someone's heart is against God and they don't love him, then that will eventually be visible on the outside as well. And that is what's happening at the time of Hosea the prophet in the nation of Israel. Inside, they had a heart that was against God, and it's now on display. Israel's true colors towards God were being revealed uh, for all to see. And so as we hear God's word this morning, if we listen well, if God is at work, then God's going to challenge us from the inside at a, at a faith level, at a heart level. And God will show us what a faithful heart, what that will look like on the outside. So let me pray for that to happen. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are in the business of changing us and changing our hearts to be more like your heart. And we pray that you will show us today what that will mean, what that will look like, what people will see in us as your people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we began our series in the book of Hosea, and we saw what was inside of Israel. It was a heart that had turned away from the loving fatherhood of God. And in our chapter and one verse today, we'll see what's on display, uh, what's in, in Israel, what, uh, what people are seeing in Israel. And conveniently for a sermon outline, it's, it's three things. One, it's, it's faithless politics, it's trust in wealth, and it's ignoring the prophets. That's what's on display in the people of Israel. So first point, 
First thing on display is they have faithless politics. Uh, we see this in 12 verse 1. Have a look through there. Ephraim, that's another uh, word for, another name for Israel. Ephraim feeds on the wind and he pursues the east wind all day and multiplies lies and violence. He makes a treaty with Assyria and sends olive oil to Egypt. So you can see on those last two lines, they're dealing with the big empires around them, making treaties with Assyria, sending olive oil to Egypt, kind of playing them off against one another, trying to be on side with both. But look how that's described. It says, Ephraim feeds on the wind. Imagine if you're hungry and you try and feed yourself on wind. Uh, pursues the east wind all day. And in, in Israel, the east wind is the one that comes from the, from the desert, the hot wind that is miserable to endure. But they're pursuing that. And it's multiplying lies and violence. It's, it's commenting that what Israel's doing in trying to buddy up to the big empires around, that's as foolish as feeding on the wind. It's trying to pursue something that can never be caught. Because Israel was God's people. God had promised to protect them if they stayed in covenant relationship with uh, with him. But they've turned from him who could protect them to those who don't have their best interest at heart. Uh, here's a word from a commentator I read through the week. He says, Ephraim, the alliance seeker, was therefore Ephraim the idiot, out running around, chasing the wind, trying to catch it. He was attempting something impossible. I love it when commentators just tell it like it is. But this is disastrous for the people of Israel because they're breaking faith with the God who saved them, the God who's their father. And so straight away, verse 2, there's a consequence. The Lord has a charge to bring against Judah, he will punish Jacob according to his ways and repay him according to his deeds. So Israel has broken the covenant with God. He's out of relationship with him. And so the covenant penalty will be, will come to pass. Now, today the church is not a nation like Israel was a nation that needs to negotiate treaties between uh, different empires. Uh, like back in the 8th century. But we still look for safety and security in our lives, and that's fair enough. But we have a tendency to look for safety and security away from the Lord God. And what will be on display in our lives if our hearts are not trusting in the Lord for security? For those who are working, it might be, we might put out our, we might feel safe when we know that we've got a secure job. When we, we seek to try and keep our job. And that'll, that'll play out when it's like, oh, if I don't compromise here, then I might lose my job and that'll be it. Or maybe our security comes from our sense of health. It's like, oh, if I'm, if I'm healthy, I'm fine. But then when the health scare comes, our sense of security is shaken. 
Or it might be that, well, the safest place to be is to agree with the culture around us, to go with the ideologies that are uh, common in our in our world. If I just believe what my colleague believes, and that means I won't get a hard time. Or if I just accept what's being communicated online, then I won't need to feel like I'm that there's harmony on uh, inside me that that I'm wrong. But friends, what we're being challenged with here is if you trust the Lord, you are safe. If you trust the Lord, you are safe. You may lose your job, but you won't lose eternal life. You may lose confidence in your health, but you won't lose the Father who loves you. And only trusting in the Lord will keep you safe for eternity. Israel did not have their trust in the Lord, and it was pursuing an east wind. But there was hope for Israel, and so there is hope for us when we've misplaced our trust. And we see this in God reminding them of their forefather, Jacob. Did you see his name was mentioned through the chapter? So uh, let's go back to salvation history earlier. God called Abraham, you've heard of Abraham, uh, chose Abraham to show his blessing and to make promises to for the salvation of the world. Abraham's son was Isaac. Isaac had twins, Jacob and Esau. But Jacob then, God named after Israel, so Jacob was kind of the big forefather uh, of the nation of Israel. And so God's saying here, remember your forefather Jacob. You can read up on it in Genesis 25 onwards, but he gives a little summary here. Have a look at verse 3. In the womb, he, Jacob, grasped his brother's heel. Remember, there were twins in the mother's womb. At the very beginning, he was dodgy. And that played out in his life. He sold... So Jacob was the second son, so Esau was the oldest. He had the birthright. But uh, he swindled Esau out of his birthright, trading it for some lentil soup. And then later on, he swindled his, uh, he swindled his father's blessing which should have been on Esau, out of out of his father, who was blind and 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 was tricked. He was he was he was dodgy. However, his life turned around. He returned back to God. Have a look what happened. In the womb, he grasped his brother's heel. As a man, he struggled with God. He struggled with the angel and overcame him. He wept and begged for his favor. He found him at Bethel and talked with him there. The Lord God Almighty, the Lord is his name. There's this weird moment in Jacob's life where the angel of the Lord came and he wrestled with him. I've got no idea what that looks like, but he wrestled with the Lord and he wouldn't let go of the Lord. He was so committed to the Lord and wanting his blessing that he wouldn't let go until God blessed him. And after that, Jacob walked away with a limp, but he also walked with the Lord. And so God is calling us to do the same. 
Verse 6, but you, Israel, must return to your God, maintain love and justice, and wait for your God always. Their hearts must turn back to the Lord. Their allegiance must turn back to the Lord. They need to find their safety and security in the Lord. And if you do that, then what will be on display will maintain love and justice. Another way of translating maintain is uh, hold fast. Like Jacob held fast to the angel of the Lord, we're to hold fast to love and justice. That's the interchange that will lead to an outer display. Because both love and justice are other person-centered things. Love is doing good for others. And justice is striving for fairness for others. And when we know the protection and safety of the Lord, then we can think less about self-protection in order to seek to love others and seek justice for others. I'm not saying being negligent in looking after yourself. We must do that. But we can be less self-protective over our reputation or over our time or our property and instead look to the needs of others all while waiting for your God. He will act in his own timing. Jesus is coming. The advent is coming. Jesus will return when the time is right. And so we're to have on display love and justice. Well, the second external display of Israel's rebellious heart was their trust in wealth. Have a look at verse 7. The merchant uses dishonest scales and loves to defraud. Ephraim boasts, I am very rich. I have become wealthy. With all my wealth, they will not find in me any iniquity or sin. So see what's going on there? Describing a, 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 an instance of dishonesty with how they deal with money so the merchant who would would uh, you know weigh say wheat with a with a with a weight of a known amount so say we did, they didn't have kilograms back then but say that a kilogram weight and a, that would weigh the flour so they know how much would be a kilogram the scales would be dishonest if say the weight wasn't quite a kilogram it's a little bit less and so they would sell, they would receive a little bit less flour for more money. Or other way around, anyway. Uh, they, the scales are not, uh, not telling, that they're trying to uh, gain extra than what they deserve. They love to defraud. They love to earn, they love to receive money that they don't, uh, they don't earn. And from this, they're boasting. They're boasting in their wealth. Very intriguing line, second half way through verse eight. With all, so Israel saying, with all my wealth, they will not find in me any iniquity or sin. You see what's going on there? They're falling into the idea of, well, I've got money. So therefore, no one's gonna see my sin. And we can fall into the trap as like, well, I've got money. How can anyone hold anything against me? Or if you don't have a whole lot of money, then, well, if I, if I have money, then I'll be set. See that, you know, a lot of our thinking and a lot of our world's thinking, 
Wealth is what we aspire to. That is kind of the ultimate good. If you're wealthy, then that is the new righteousness. So the government might not be leading our country to greater morality. But if the economy is going strong, then it's all good. Or at, or at work, you know, I might be doing something a little bit unethical, but, well, it's making the company money. Or we look up to people with money, don't we? We hold them in high regard, even more sometimes than those with high integrity. Succession is a TV show that displays this the best, dealing with the super rich, but who act with great immorality. Foul mouth, trust, untrustworthy, arrogant, greedy. But people like that we look up to. Money is the new righteousness. And I was forced to repent of this thinking in my own heart and how foolish it is when I was in the Philippines with my uh, trip to with, uh, with Compassion Australia. Uh, this is uh, Devin. And he's 11. He was uh, one of the, at one of the projects that we visited. He gave his testimony, uh, during, uh, one of our visits. He lives in one of the provinces in the middle of the Philippines on an, on a, on a fairly remote island. Uh, and the poverty is much worse in rural areas and urban areas. And, uh, much of the place where he lives was wiped out by Typhoon Yolanda about five years ago. But his story is he didn't know Jesus before he was sponsored by Compassion. And, uh, but he, so he became part of the Compassion Project in Tolosa. And from here, he displayed, uh, as he kept telling his story, he displayed wonderful faith in the Lord. Part of his testimony is that he received great help from his sponsorship. And from there, he just is overflowing with thanksgiving to the Lord for his provision. He now sings the Lord's praises and even wants to give back to his sponsor family. That is true righteousness. Not having wealth. And so have a look at verse 9. What's God's response? Verse 9, I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt where you had nothing. I will make you live in tents again, as in the days of your appointed festivals. When they came out of Egypt, walking through the wilderness, they stayed in tents. They owned very little, but they were close to the Lord. He'll take them back to that closeness. So what does that look like for us? If we have a heart that returns to the Lord in this area, what will be on display? What will be on display if we do have wealth? Well, we heard from our second reading. Let me put up uh, these words from 1 Timothy. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain as Israel were doing. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God is the one who keeps us safe. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, 
to be generous and willing to share. In this way, we will lay up treasure, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation of the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. That's what should be on display. That's what should be on display. (laughs) Doing good, being rich in good deeds, being generous and willing to share. So I'm so encouraged by our ongoing partnership with Compassion, with us all being so generous towards those in need. I'm so thankful to those who have been generous in giving to church this year, helping us catch up to what we need to meet our expenses. I'm so thankful for those that have been doing good, being rich in good deeds. That's what should be on display if our heart has returned to the Lord. But what's the third thing on display in Israel? It's that they are ignoring the prophets. Verse 10. I spoke to the prophets, gave them many visions, and told parables through them. God's saying, I've spoken to you. You should know what I think. You should know how to follow me. You should know what I'm like. And yet Israel was wicked in Gilead. They offered sacrifices in Gilgal against the Lord's instructions. His word was clear. His will was clear to them. Sending prophets as his mouthpiece, including Hosea, but they're ignoring him. They didn't worship God as he deserved to be worshipped. And so God is bitterly angry with Israel. We haven't even greater revelation than all the prophets that were in the Old Testament. We still have their word, but we have Jesus, the word of God. God could not make his his will any clearer to us through the Lord Jesus and through his authorized apostles. And so are we being like Israel and ignoring God as well? Are we not paying attention to what God is saying to you? Well, I've got to confess, I've had a, I've not had a great week of Bible reading. Not had a great week. And so I need to return to the Lord and know that I need to be listening to Him, knowing His will. Returning to the Lord in my heart and then working out, okay, how am I going to listen to the Lord? Uh, I'm about to head off on long service leave. So, uh, Carol's is the last, my last thing, so I'll literally go off with a bang with the fireworks. <laughs> my plan is, uh, my plan is to read through 2 Corinthians, uh, while I'm away, slowly and carefully. 2 Corinthians is a book of the Bible that I just not studied it in great detail. It's not something, not too familiar to me. That's gonna be how I'm gonna listen to the Lord while I'm on, on long service leave. Cause I need to return to the Lord, not ignore what He's saying to me. Well, I'd love this chapter to finish on a happy note. The happy note will come later in our series. Here's the unhappy note. Verse 14, last last verse. But Ephraim, Israel, Ephraim has aroused his bitter anger, the Lord's bitter anger. Uh, his Lord will leave on them the guilt of, the, of his bloodshed and will repay him for his contempt. Our friends, that is what you and I deserve as well. 
whichever way we have strayed from the Lord, we deserve God's wrath as well. But God calls us to return to him and to put our trust and reliance in the Lord Jesus. For if we do, we won't be like Israel who experienced the wrath of God and was conquered by the Assyrians. Instead, if we turn back to the Lord, we'll be like the church in Thessalonica who turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. If we have faith in him, we'll be rescued from the the coming wrath. We will be safe. And if we follow him, if our heart is for him, then that will be on display in our lives, a life of faithfulness to God and to one another. Well, let's together display our love of God and calling on each other to reflect on all the glorious things that God has spoken to us and respond rightly 